everyone, and welcome to episode 317 of This Is Whole Life. And we're going to give you no time. We're just going to introduce today's guest, Jordan Soliday. Is that right? Soliday? Mm-hmm. Soliday? Yeah, just like Holiday with an S. Holiday with an S. Mm. See, now that's no cool. No excuse now. <laughs> and that's cool because you can be like, well, it's just Holiday with an S, you know. And that's pretty cool. Easy to remember. It's wet more. And just like wet. More. more. It's <laughs> more wet. Just more wet. There you go. It's is it Maygray or McGray? Only my grandpa will yell at you, and he's dead, so he can't. So that's it's so. McGray. Which one is it? It's McGray. McGray. It's not Maygray. Hmm. I mean, that's what he would say, but he can't. So that's okay. <laughs> it's just the way it is. Well, there you go. I win. The last yeah. guy standing wins. I heard. There you go. Okay, that's it. <laughs> You so, can make up some fancy, like, <laughs> McGray. Mm, well, you know, it is partly French. So, you know, maybe uh, it'd be like that. Like something like that. But I'm not, that's not a good accent. You so. should definitely do that one. I should do that one. You like that one better? <laughs> I feel so. McGray. <laughs> Get that drawl in there. That, that'd be awesome. So Jordan was the final link in the chain. That was it. This is the end. I always hate it. When no, it no, 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 no. It's like ellipses. It's, it, you know, it, not, we do this every year. Don't so, call this to the end? No. We're going to do it again next this year. This is gonna another have, installment. Yeah, this is another installment. So, yeah. you know, it's been a good installment. This was a great installment. Yeah. As I talked about last week, we talked about waiting, which everybody hates. And now Jordan's talking about slowing. Hey, let's take the weight and let's slow it down. <laughs> let's make that longer. No, that's different kind of slowing. How to keep or make the Sabbath and then mental health. I mean, we like the the members came in like hard this year and just tackled all the big questions. And I feel like we had a continuation also this week on some Sabbath stuff, which I really appreciated. I'm like, we hit, you know, in the law series, we love at work. And then of course, how to make or keep the Sabbath with Michael. Michael. Yeah. And then you brought that into this as well. And I'm like, you know, this recurring theme, maybe this Sabbath thing is coming. Feels like maybe God's trying to say something to somebody, right? (laughs) Maybe. Maybe someone's not getting the message. Maybe someone's just trying to learn more. And I appreciate that because I I think that it's such a unique part about who Adventists are that often becomes the thing that misguides or misplaces what people think about us. And so the fact that we've really talked about it a lot this summer, I think is really, really good. So tell us a little bit about Jordan, because I heard that we officially adopted Jordan. That was at second service, wasn't it? He's adopted. Yeah, it's already done as a whole life member. But tell us what the day-to-day and and, uh, what you do and let people know a little bit more about Jordan, who might not have caught the message yet. Okay, sure. Well, I am here in Orlando, Florida. I moved here four years ago with my wife, Megan, and we came down here from New Jersey. Before that, we lived in Michigan, went to school at Andrews University and just decided we were tired of cold weather life. Mm. She's also from here. That made it easy to to come back down. For me, it was new. I didn't know that I suffered from seasonal depression before, but just being in Orlando completely changes things. Altered, yeah, my Did whole... Did you grow up in Michigan? I grew up in Pennsylvania. Well, not too... It's also it's cold weather. Same thing, same thing. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, very similar experience <laughs> in that state too. So... Came down here. I was in, I studied theology at Andrews University. And uh, toward the end of my time there, I realized that I loved writing uh, and decided to also get uh, just double major. So I, I kind of shifted theology to yeah, religion, no which just is like, double major. well, in hindsight, I maybe I ought to have done a master's instead, instead of <laughs> adding on another major with like a year to go. But um, so I did English and religion. I ended up graduating with that. And um, I never really saw myself moving into like a traditional pastoral ministry role. I kind of have wound up in a similar kind of role. Okay. Um, but I basically I started out in in storytelling. I was an editor for a, a publishing house in in Pittsburgh. Um, mm, doing what kind of editing? Mostly manuscript editing for okay. for book publication. And after a few years, I. We came down here. I got connected with Karen Tilstra. Oh, yeah. And started working at Phil, or then what became Avon Health Innovation Lab, and was there for a few years. And I got in there because they were looking for someone to do help do storytelling. Exactly what you were great at. Well, and I learned a lot of fun things about human-centered design. And uh, what fascinated me, even then, was just how much overlap there was between what my understanding of is like the creative process, the lot of stuff Jesus talks about, 
than what all of these other industry leaders in, in creativity and innovation are talking about and Karen would talk about a lot. So, uh, yeah, I was there for some time. And uh, then over the last couple of years, the COVID years. Uh, the I started, COVID years. The COVID years, <laughs> which were, for me, a really, they were a pause. It was a chance for me to slow down. And I know for a lot of others, it was a not. It was the opposite. It was going faster. It was crazier. But I, I started my own organization, the Slowing Institute. And... I've been working as a youth pastor part-time at Patmos Chapel, SDA Church in Apopka, Florida. Okay. So those are the two primary forms of my work right now. So Slowing Institute's been around since so with having August two, 2021. With having two jobs, that's really helped you slow down? Well. <laughs> I mean, I mean. Well, Randy. <laughs> well. Just get to the point, right? Well, no. So for me, honestly, I kind of like that. This is better for me. Better. I'm learning about myself still. I get rather discontent when I'm in one role and I'm just there and I don't have the chance to kind of go and do other things and explore in other places, especially if if whatever role I'm in doesn't allow space to say, you know what, you know, take four hours to just think. Yeah. Well, that not every that that's not every job, um, of course. <laughs> every job that might not be that might not, not be many, I think many jobs. I think you spelled any incorrectly. That isn't any job. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Unless it's actually that job. Like, hey, we're going to hire you to just uh, sit around for four hours and just think. Could you do that? Absolutely, I'm your guy. What am I thinking about? <laughs> so there are are there parameters? Yeah, on that? what do I have to think about? Maybe <laughs> yeah. that would be a, a a deal closer. Yeah, I think what you're saying and and what I heard you say was kind of a melding of the spiritual and the secular and like things that Jesus said. And um, a quote that I saw the other day that is, I've seen it before, it's not new, but that I don't remember who it was attributed to. might have been Steve Jobs. But the quote was, I would never hire anyone without a side hustle because if you aren't engaged in something else, then you're not growing because you're just like kind of like what you talked about. You're kind of stale. You're in a one-track mind. This is my job. I could do it in my sleep, and this is what I do. It's who, it's, I have my routine, and you just become this person who doesn't have any or can less likely have ideas that you would find doing something else. I see a lot of people, especially after COVID, they have done the side hustle or they have had to do it. Or they've branched off and there's a lot of a lot of people have become the 1099ers, right? Well, it's the – how are they doing that and how are they surviving? Because the, the goal is obviously to either better yourself, learn something, create another income. And that just seems like it creates even more of this. And I, so that's why I think this is very timely. How have you balanced the two? I know you said that one was part-time, but having your own institute must take a – more than at least half your time, no? Yeah. Well, for me, it, it kind of all just works together. I've spent a lot of time working on myself, you know, after just everything with COVID and my previous yeah. workplace, I thought, let me become more of who I want to be. So I did this fun thing because I love storytelling called narrative therapy. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Mm -hmm. um, for six months last year. And... Out of that, you taught it or you went through I it? I went through it. Went through it. Okay. Went through it. From someone else. Mm -hmm. Okay. In a small group. Ooh. And after, I, I recognized really three main areas in my life that I need to focus. Well, just a way to categorize yeah. my pursuits. Um, number one, build community. Mm. Number two, self care. Everything from going to the dentist regularly to. <laughs> exercising, sleep, three, deep work or meaningful work. Okay. And for me, that is I, – I looked at the work in my life and said I want to spend the majority of my time – at 1099, I have the possibility to do it, doing work that I care about, work that's meaningful to me, work that uh, I'm comfortable in sinking myself into yeah. and feel like is needed in – this world today. So Slowing Institute fits into that. I've partnered with other consultancies, organizations, some schools to just help as I can in different ways with programs that they've got going on, like been working with Rollins at their social impact hub. 
oh, nice. uh, mentoring yeah, I've heard, I've heard some of, of their yeah. students uh, for different innovation initiatives that they have, which is great. It's it's good learning for me as well. So I found I can't speak for other people and how they're navigating, I guess, the the entrepreneurial world. Yeah. For me, what works is doing work that fuels me and tending those other areas as well, building community and self-care. And as a result, I, I feel healthier and happier now than I ever have before. I was burnt out for sure, you know, yeah. prior to COVID. And, and now I feel like I can think well. I can create the space to think well. And that is underrated. Oh. And I think that's a big part of the, the slowing insight Absolutely. too, just with the teams that I've worked with before, just constantly burnt out or tired or pressed for time or the feeling of being pressed for time. So those are two different things. That was one of my first questions was, there's, I mean, I know I'm not alone in, I, unfortunately, my oldest daughter got this from me, but my mind is always going a thousand miles an hour. And if it's, I mean, even if I'm just sitting and reading, there's times where I've read two paragraphs and I'm just like, crud, what did I just read? I got to go back and reread it because my mind, it's something in there and it'll go off on a tangent. And it takes a long time to get down to nothing. Like we went to Georgia a couple months ago for a week. And it wasn't until like day three or four where it was just like, hmm. Going to go out with my cup of coffee on the porch in the rocking chair, and I'm going to – ooh, birds. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like things that you don't just normally do. And you just said creating that space to allow for the creativity or the thinking or the doing that really needs to be done probably in a more streamlined and quick fashion, which will then give you more time or save you time. How do you get to that point? I mean, is there something that you've learned through this process or the small group process that allows you to somehow take control and just maybe close that gap a little bit, hush those voices, hush the surroundings? Because when you, you mentioned that in your message and immediately heads were moving and were just like, mm-hmm, tell me more, Jordan. Tell <laughs> me more. Because I think a lot of people feel that way, even if it's not – because mine will be even at night. I want to go to bed and it's just like uh, everything's churning. So I think that's a that's a good place to start for what we need to move into in the spiritual realm as well. I think first of all, we have to give ourselves permission to slow down, give ourselves permission and responsibility to create space uh, for the thinking, for the possibility of creativity to crop up. So do you talk to yourself? Um, I talk to myself, and I, I know that that seems weird to me, so I'm, I'm hoping you say – just say yes, please. Yes, then, yes. I oh, talk thank to you. myself. Thank you, Jordan. So there's this story. This book comes from this book. The author, he's, he's passed away, but he used to work at Hallmark Cards. His name is Gordon McKenzie, hmm. and the book is called Orbiting the Giant Hairball, which is all about – and the hairball is an organization or organizations or okay. systems. Wherever there are humans, there is mess. I mean, it's just inevitable and not – saying in that in a bad way at all, just more so complexity, uncertainty, differing opinions, <laughs> and organizations are made up of that. And in order to be creative in an organization or to do one's best work, and this relates to a church as well, I think, because also church can be a hairball. Can? <laughs> Keep on going. <laughs> <laughs> so... The idea is not to go against the values or the mission or the work of an organization or the hairball, but to orbit it, as as Gordon McKenzie lays out. He tells this story about creating space or the creativity process in general, which was kind of fun, about an executive who goes to a farm and leans up. He's got his Gucci suit on. It's blue pinstriped, and he leans his, his suit up against the fence, and he's careful not to get it all grimy, and he's looking at these cows that are out in the field. And there's only a few of them that are in the barn that are hooked up to the milking machines. Mm -hmm. And so as he views these cows that are out in the field just chewing the cud, he says, get back to work, you slackers. <laughs> <laughs> because his dream is that all of the cows, 24-7, would be in there hooked up to those milking machines. And Making unconsciously, money. right, Yeah, this is what we desire 
so often in our organizations. But what he failed to realize is that as the cows are out there eating this grass, chewing this cud, they're actually engaged in the creative process of breaking down that grass into the miracle working process of making milk. They need that. They need that space and that supposed invisible laziness, which isn't that, but it looks like it, to create the milk. Mm. So what can we learn? I, I, this is what I try to think of. How can I have create more invisible space in my life, in my work, and how can teams do this and organizations do this for their employees so that that creativity might crop up? It's hard to measure that, but this is where we get messed up, I think, sometimes in organizations. We measure the wrong things. Mm. But creativity requires invisible space. It's not just the tangible output at the end. It's the how along the way. Oh, I'll never get that story out of my head. That's awesome. Uh, my wife grew up on a dairy farm and we, of course, and I grew up in Wisconsin, so there were dairy farms everywhere. Um, so that, that, one, that one hits home. That resonates. But I think what I'm hearing you saying is, and I, and I believe it because it's usually the best ideas that you have are when you're you're not in hyper mode trying to get something done. It's when you're driving maybe or for me, I'll be listening to a podcast or be listening to music and it's like, ooh, stop, voice memos, don't forget this. And then make sure you label it so you know where you can find it later <laughs> for ideas or they get lost. During your message, as you, you think about creating that space and – you know, you told the story about the woman who had been bleeding for, what was it, 12 years, right? And Jesus told her after she touched after she touched his garment and, you know, the disciples and he says, who, who touched my garment? And the disciples are like, dude, we're in the middle of a, of a, of a you know, how many people? Like, how could you ask this question? And I thought for a second, like, you know, Jesus was kind of multitasking here. He was going on his way to heal mm -hmm. someone. He was, you know, doing this all, but yet he had the the mindset of just like, hey, everybody calm down. This is not a problem. And I know what I'm doing. <laughs> and I wonder if sometimes we don't need that from Jesus even now. Like for her, was the touch necessary? I mean, he said it was her faith, right? And, and I don't know how we physically, you know, the, the, obviously that's not possible. But I, as I started to think about, it, can our faith still heal us in that same way that it, it healed her but maybe the key is in what you're talking about, is to be able to find that time. And I wonder if, if you had any thoughts about maybe ways you might have experienced being in that space as a youth pastor and using the skills that you have in your other business to see how that might go together and how we might find ways spiritually to do that. Hmm. Yeah, I think that it's really important to – to notice both spoken and unspoken needs of the people around us. Mm. And Jesus was constantly doing that, being present, fully present. You know, we say multitasking. I think he was somehow incredibly had this ability to be knowing that that situation with the girl who was dying and the father who was pleading, you know, please, let's go. Yeah, yeah we got to go. Take care of that. He knew there was time, but not in the way that we would look at it and say that there was time because that a girl ended up dying. So he, he, he's present with this woman and he helps her. And then they continue on their journey and they get there and she's not alive anymore. I don't know how that shows up in our, in our lives, in our faith journey, but imagine if one of us takes the time to slow down and is present with someone else and there are consequences. Ooh unintended consequences. And we don't get to fix those consequences. <laughs> Not like and, Jesus did. And that's that could be the faith part of it all mm -hmm. as well. It's like, did I make the wrong decision by slowing down and being present and creating space despite the criticism that might come from others who are looking in and saying, wow, you really should have moved more quickly or you missed that initiative. So I, I do think there needs to be a toughness of skin in a way too along the along this journey of like Jesus knew what he was doing. Yeah. He knew who he was 
And he also, I think he did recognize that there was no substitute for presence and attention. Even to his father, right? I mean, I think the the fact that he prayed and just took that time so often to go and pray, I can hear someone in the back just thinking like, like that's really old fashioned. You know, I mean, just to, I mean, how long can you pray for? You know, I mean, obviously Jesus prayed a lot and seemingly even in, in the garden for long periods of time. I, I wonder, like you said, I'm not sure how that fits in, but is this something that everyone needs to do, do you think? Or is this like, well, some people really excel, you know, at just being this, you know, look at these CEOs. I mean, they're, they're, they're managing, you know, huge corporations. They don't have time to stop and do this, do they? Or the you know the person that's working three jobs to trying to you know hold their family together and keep a roof over their head. This isn't for everybody, right? This is just for like those of us that want to excel maybe in another area in our life and button that top button, snug up the tie a little bit. I mean, isn't that what this is about? Could it be, or is it really? Or do you think it's really for everyone? Like everyone can do this in some shape and form and improve their life because of it. Well, I think it's a need. Ooh, okay. I think it's a need. Because I'm basing on my experiences and then also what other industry leaders like the Kelly brothers at Stanford D-Lab and um, like some of the people I've gotten to know abroad who are working in this space like Rob Poynton and Johnny Moore, organizational psychologist Adam Grant. Ooh, a lot of the stuff that, that they're saying is – Right. Yeah. A lot yeah. of the stuff they're saying is centered around the need – to unhurry and to make and, – and again, hurry is not just about pace but the way we think, the way we make decisions, the way we end up behaving. I think there's a real need for us to slow and by that I mean ask questions, reflect, rest, wait, explore, give ourselves permission to explore. And as a result, when we do this, we are more likely to make connections to others, to God, to self, to our systems, and unearth needs that we otherwise would have unreflectively just blown past. Connections. I like that one. A lot of people say today, like, I don't really have any close friends like I used to. Everyone's so busy. You know, uh, we're going to get together next week, I promise. And then it's like a month later and it's like, nope, didn't do that. So maybe this is like if you're looking for some real solid connections, maybe this is part of that process to slow you down and make sure you're actually following through on the things that that you want to do. Because in the moment, you're totally serious. Like, yeah, we're going to do this. Mm -hmm. And then it never happens. Well, connections too, to people and also to to what is really going on. So if you're dealing with a problem – and you are creating space to slow down, to wait, to reflect, to go out and have conversations with people who are uh, around the problem, which often does not happen mm. in organizations. Oftentimes decisions are made top down or without the right end user or stakeholder feedback because of predetermined needs around how quickly we need a solution. Well, then we might end up solving for the wrong problem. Church And as that well. happens all the time. Everywhere. Yeah. In work and life, I think this happens. One thing I wanted to touch on real quick was you said not what, but how is most important. And how does that apply? I think what we've been talking about through the summer series is arising and – I think we are a lot of times focused on the what because that's the initial problem. I, I, you know, I need a lawnmower. There's one coming, but I can't get it. This is a true story we talked about earlier, but we're not going to go into what my lawnmower needs. But that's the problem. So what should I be focusing on? The the how? Is there a better way for me to get my lawnmower if I if I understand the how and I'm not so focused on the what? Because I've been whatting it for three weeks <laughs> and I'm no further than I was when I started. And same thing with issues in my life that are in the same timetable or longer. Man, I, I can see the what. But slowing can help me with the how. And maybe that's the most important to solve the what. Is that what you're saying? Slowing is a, a part of the how. So that when Slowing I refer to that, okay. is like how the, the way we go through the creative process 
is as important as what we create oftentimes. So looking at Jesus, if the what of the gospel is all that mattered, I guess we could already be in heaven. It would already be done. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't have mattered that Jesus came as a baby. It wouldn't have mattered that God waited thousands of years and gave the Israelites opportunities to demonstrate that they could follow his law and obey him. The how of Jesus, the how of God matters quite a lot to who he is. It's not just about what's accomplished. It's about how it's accomplished. And I think Jesus demonstrated this too. His ministry, his life, spending 30 years prior to officially going out in a a, a kind of formal way. He he was working like any person, growing probably in that invisible creativity stage quite a lot. So I think that the the how we go through things and the like for example if if uh, an organization a team is working on a challenge and they do not take time to empathize with one another they do not go to uh, their true end users and learn from them and really listen suspending their own negative judgment saying thank you after getting the feedback on whatever is shared and then really searching for the looking at those stories and and searching for patterns and themes and then identifying those and creating based on the needs identified as opposed to their own assumptions about what the problem or problems are that requires a lot of intentionality and i think that that's really that's part of the how so you're saying it's not easy because you just said they had to suspend their negative, their negative uh, judgments. They had to listen. They had to say thank you. So it's uh, in that in that respect, it might not be so easy, but even still more important. And I wanted to ask Ken what after listening to the message, where did you go during the message? Were you thinking like, hmm, we have. X, Y, or Z that we're solving for at whole life or maybe it was something personal or I'm always curious how when someone else is preaching, how the pastor, if he's there, is like ingesting the message, especially something like this, because I feel like Ken's a, a go-getter. Ken's got, I, you know, if you see his whiteboard, there's a always a list on the board of things to do. And that's a good list. It's a good reminder. It's not like indicative that, you know, he's a thousand miles an hour all the time, 24, seven, 365. But I mean, we all realize that this is an issue that we could all be do better at. And I was just wondering if it was something personal or if it was a, a church view or both that you took and what, what impression it left as you were listening. Well, I loved it. I, yeah, I worked for a conference president once who, uh, who, his staff, they, they took his first name and called him, Hurricane X. <laughs> I won't use his first name because I don't want to. Because he'd walk into the office and he would just leave a, like he'd walk through the different directors' offices and just to check where you at with this, and it's just, it's just, and just through there, and it's like Hurricane X. So it was, and honestly, I love that about him. I thought, man, I want to be like that. That's awesome, and um, and I still, I still admire him. So I don't take anything away from him. He's one of the better leaders I've ever worked for. With that said, one of the things that I've, as I'm getting a little bit older, and I'm realizing that there's also really something to be said for taking time to reflect, not feeling like we have to have everything right now. Um, Coming from a a news background, Mm. everything is so time-oriented. Everything is is very, I mean, you don't show up to six o'clock and be like, well, folks, there's really nothing that's happened today. So we're just going to go ahead and watch some reruns of the Andy Griffith show. That's, you know, you just, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't even work like you show up and say, well, we've only really got 10 minutes of stuff you really need to know. It, my boss used to say, well, it's one of those days we're going to have to make chicken soup out of chicken poop. So, you know, it was, it was just one of those days, you know, and so, for me, coming from that background, I've had to kind of start to rewire myself a little that we don't really honestly have to have everything right now. There's this this idea that, oh, if it doesn't happen, 
what will happen? Well, the world will continue to turn <laughs> most of the time. I mean, I, I suppose if you're a doctor and <laughs> there's an emergency, you probably yeah. ought to stop yeah. the bleeding. But, you know, I would say that for me, I have a tendency to rate things far higher on the emergency scale than they usually are. Mm, that's fair. And yeah. I, I usually tend to, well, this must be done now. And and one of the things that my children and my wife have both spoken into my life, especially lately, is be present with us. Be here. You don't have to run off and do this thing right now. You could do it later. You could schedule it for a different time. You don't have to make that phone call right now. You don't have to send that text right now. And what I'm finding in my life when I can practice it well, which I'm I'm not very good at it, so I'm, I'm really having to practice hard, is that when I, instead of doing things in the instant, when I go ahead and have an orderly, at this time I'm doing this, and at that time I'm doing that, and at this time I'm, and so there's a time to be doing my emails. I'm going to do it at that time. And then there's a time to be responding to text messages, and I'll do it. Instead of feeling like it's got to be right now, I find that I, I put out a better product, that I'm creating a better product of the things that I'm doing. And like I said, some of this comes with experimentation. There, there are absolutely text messages that need to be responded to right now. It, it has to happen. But like I said, my tendency is to rate those much higher than they usually are. I tend to take... The true emergencies are probably more of the exception than the rule, the, and I yeah. tend to make every text message, well, I, I need to do this right away, and and we reward ourselves as a society, right? Everybody's like, when was the last time you said, so how are you doing? And somebody said, man, I, my life has been pretty slow and pretty calm. It's been pretty great. And no, I mean, <laughs> if you, you look at them, and like, well, get busy. Yeah, what are you doing? Well, let's let's go. The right answer when your boss asks you, "Well, very busy, very busy. You got a lot going on." You know that, and and we reward each other for that. We pat each other on the back. Good for you for being busy and being productive and and accomplishing things. And and again, good it is accomplishing things, being productive. Those are all good things. But it's not good when it comes at the expense of mental health. Putting out a thoughtful product as opposed to a rush product. And so that's what really for me resonated with. Not just the message that Jordan gave this week, but just in conversations with him in the past. It's one of the reasons why uh, I really wanted him to come and speak, um, even though he's, you know, we've kind of adopted him into the, yeah. the whole life community. Uh, we, I, I felt like this, you know, his father-in-law is Stanton Reed, so we, I felt like that was, you know, but I really felt like I wanted our church to kind of hear a little bit of what he had to say and to start pondering it. And I think I really loved how he talked about Jesus because Jesus really was this unhurried presence. Jesus knew how to prioritize things. He knew how to, to do things when they needed to be done. And it wasn't like Jesus was never busy. And there's a, I think Jordan did a good job on Sabbath about talking about the difference between being busy and being hurried. There were times in life where we're going to be busy. Yeah, absolutely. But we don't have to necessarily be hurried to the point where we're making bad decisions and it costs us in our personal life. So for me, the, the I sat on the front row twice and <laughs> um, and digested it both times and, and continue to digest it. Uh, you know, here's we're recording it several days later. So it's something I want to keep on processing through. And it's one of the reasons why I'm really grateful to Jordan for being willing to actually not just do the sermon, but he's actually working with our church congregation. He's going to um, do some slowing sessions that people can kind of try out for themselves uh, starting here in August. And um, so there's some really, really neat opportunities that Jordan is gifting our church with to, to kind of experiment with this and, and try it out. And I'm really excited about it. When's the deadline if someone wants to get in on that? Is there a, like, when it closes? Is it as the, like, it's when the they, session is full. Yeah. When the session is full. When the okay. session is full. Yeah. How so many? we've got 12 tickets for the first session, Saturday, August 6th, from 3 to 5 p.m. I think right now seven of those tickets have been taken. Dum, 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 dum. So we've got five left. 
Don't hurry, um, but yeah. don't hurry, but rush. Get in there. <laughs> <laughs> so um, if you swipe up in today's show notes, we will have the information. Yeah. I'll make sure that I get it directly from Jordan after the show. And we'll make sure that if you click that link yeah. for that show or for that session, if it's still open, it'll it'll let you in. And just uh, Jordan was making a good point that I actually wasn't really clear on is that you're you're only committing to that August 5th session. That's it. Um, it's oh, a one right. session deal. And then what he's going to do is he'll be doing that for at least six months. We're going to kind of partner with him once a month, the first Saturday of every month, three to five in the uh, Sabbath afternoon. He's going to do one of these. And so each one is individual. Each one will have to be signed up for. It's You can do more than one session, but you, you just are committing to the session that you're in, and we'll just let people know as those are coming along that, that they can uh, sign up for those things. Are the sessions different? Oh yes. So yeah. are they are they a building block? Like if I go to one and then I tell everyone how cool it is, and there's only twelve for the next, it, there might be a rush for number two. So this is a I don't I don't like in the spirit of slowing. I don't like to overly fixate. So this is a a, a prototype. It is a, a trial. You know, we're okay. going to see how the first session goes in terms of how many people come, how they respond, what kind of feedback we end up getting. Okay. Uh, so I think starting out with two-hour session once a month makes sense. But that, who knows? That That's could evolve okay. depending on the needs of whole life and, and what people are saying about the slow sessions. In the sessions, though, Stanton and myself are going to be practicing this facilitator's model called responsive design or rolling design, which is essentially this idea that we are – paying attention to the participants and noticing what they're sharing and then as a result are going to frame the next session based on that. So we're oh, not okay. predetermining, hey, for the next six months, these are the sessions. We're going to talk about out. this. Yeah. We're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about that. We have ideas of different things we would like to talk about. We have these unhurried design practices and superpowers that can make you into an unhurried leader in a card deck that we've assembled. And uh, thanks to Andy Tilstra, who's done the illustrations, we've we've got that. So we're going to probably give out one of those, you know, for free to participants as they come, a superpower. And so that might be a way that we end up framing the space gotcha. to okay. explore That's that. Nice. But this, the sessions will be, again, primarily conversation-based. So we might have a question that frames the space at the beginning, uh, like a question that is like, uh, for example, how at home do you feel right now? Oh, so you're going to go personal on this. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Does that people... make you uncomfortable, Randy? Oh, is that, okay, maybe. Just no, sure. okay. doesn't, but yeah. <laughs> we'll get you signed up for this <laughs> immediately. immediately. I know. As soon as you leave, I'm a, I, I might do it now, but I'll, I'll get distracted. Never mind. No, yeah, I'm so definitely going to sign up, though. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, I, I hope I did, you do. I did the email. So the other part is if you if you signed up for the email, like I, I did the QR code that was up on the screen during church, and I did do my email, but I kind of thought that was doing both. And so I did get the confirmation. I confirmed my email this morning, and now I went to the website when jo uh, Jordan first came in, and there's a little black box on the top. It's a link that actually takes you to sign up. So that's the actual sign-up link is on the website, right? So, yeah, Jordan right. has an email and there's a sign-up for this. So Slowinginstitute.com? Slowinginstitute.com mm -hmm. is the site. Slowinginstitute.com slash sessions is where you can sign up for the slow sessions. Okay. However, I think what happened in your case and probably in other people's cases, there is a pop-up for our – to subscribe to our newsletter. Oh, So if you, if you went to the site, that. if you put your email in – what we'll do on our end on is... On mobile, I probably didn't. It was probably taking up the whole screen and I didn't see maybe. You know, it, 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 it pops up at the bottom of the screen, so I'm it old, probably Jordan. did that. I'm you old. Know. I'm, the senior, I'm the elder statesman here, and so you know that's tech, I could, that could have been a, a sign that I'm my technological skills are waning. Yeah, we're going to say the very senior statesman. That's well, it. I like that. <laughs> well... It makes me feel less old. Yeah. Well, what we'll do on Not our me. end to kind of correct is... <laughs> oh, that's you. <laughs> Just slow down. I mean, I'm just guessing. Jordan's uh, Jordan doesn't have any gray hair whatsoever. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm assuming I have a couple somewhere. in my Do in you? my goatee. Someone mm -hmm. that you know, I'm, I'm thinking 20s, right? Uh, early 30s. 32. Early 30s. Well, you look 
early 20s. Thank you. I'm not anywhere. That's that, that slow living, man. Th- those are those old. Those <laughs> if you, are those. If you slowed down decades, a little, Randy, maybe all these grays right here. Might, yeah, might. that might happen. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it, not a guarantee. Not a guarantee. Oh, <laughs> anyone who's joining the sessions. <laughs> Awesome. Well, we'll make sure that all of that is there. And then we'll also include Jordan's email. So you can click right from the show notes and uh, send off an email if you need more information or if there's something that is unclear. The last thing I wanted to really get to before we, we go into the questions is we've been talking about the Sabbath a lot. And you said Jesus is the Sabbath embodied. His empowering presence has the power to generate and regenerate. That might be what stuck with me out of everything that you said, because there's a lot, there's a lot of applications in my life where the Sabbath slowdown, and the more we've talked about it this year, the more that I've realized this, even though it's it was nothing earth shattering. But when you start to, like Ken said, you start to work on your slowing a little bit more, you start being more intentional about maybe how you're looking at a certain thing like the Sabbath or how you're deciding, like Michael talked about, how you're going to create, how you're going to make, which can be a slowing thing just because you do activities. You can do activities that you actually enjoy that take you away from all the hustle and the bustle and to create, but then to regenerate it and, and head into the next week. And so I think we're uniquely maybe positioned as Adventists to with Sabbath rest to to do this. Where did that come from when you from when you put that into your message that the meaning behind that for you personally? Probably from a lot of different sources just over the years. Uh, I remember my one of my professors teaching Hebrew back at Andrews University. I think her name was Rahel Schaefer. She said, what you think about the Sabbath is what you think about God. And mm. that stuck with me and got me thinking. I really was always kind of pricked, I guess, by the Spirit, that there's more to this whole Sabbath thing than the Sunday law, and that at the end, it's just going to be making people know about the Sabbath, we're the Sabbath people, you know, don't don't get caught up in the Sunday deception. I just feel like it's going to be so compelling. And in fact, you know, we as we understand this whole latter rain situation and that, as Jesus said to his disciples, you will do greater things than I have done. I'm just really curious, what's that end up looking like? Yeah. Mark, yeah. Mark Sayers has this new book out called Non-Anxious Presence. Uh, he's, a, he's a pastor and a systems thinker. And uh, that he's talking a lot about that generative and regenerative presence that Jesus has in that book as well. And then what really also kind of got me into this whole idea of how do we take the Sabbath not only as a day but as a verb into our week? What's it look like to yeah, no, be that's Sabbathing good. in a sense or slowing on a Monday at work or on a Wednesday in the throes of it of all, yeah, right. at work? <laughs> yeah. And I don't have all the answers to that, but I think that People know. I tend to believe that we have the creative confidence as individuals. So situated in your context, if you take the time to think about it, you probably will come to an understanding of what's needed in your specific problem or situation. There's this, I wanted to mention this, sociologist George Ritzer, he coined the term McDonaldization. And McDonaldization has four parts to it. He says it started out as just framing some of the way we did business, and now it shapes all of human life. Mm. Has four parts. Efficiency, predictability, calculability, and control. Wow. And all of our organizations, for the most part, and many of our churches are shaped by these four tenets. And it creates a faster world, but the unintended effects are unreflective speed, dehumanizing efficiency, and disintegrating isolationism, meaning we are siloed and on opposite ends of beliefs, unwilling to move toward one another. Oh, man. If that wasn't a complete descriptor of what our world has delved into even more so seemingly over the last you know, decade. 
and, and, and even more recently. And that's spot on. Well, I think dehumanizing it, that that's the if that doesn't feel real in some ways when you've been through the ringer of whatever and then work and life and whatever if dehumanizing isn't what the word is I don't know what it could be because that that uh, that's perfect. So when you said earlier, is this something that's just for some people, or is it yeah. is it for everyone? I believe slowing and Sabbath is a need for our world, and without it, we do become dehumanized. And we do become unreflective and we do move toward what we know and stay there as opposed to moving toward who or what we don't know or what makes us feel uncomfortable. And uh, Jesus, so that again to me is he was the embodiment of slowing, of irresistible humanity. And I think that his invitation is for us to embody that kind of non-anxious presence through obeying his word and and inviting his spirit to to guide us in our individual context. If that's not an invitation to reevaluate what you think you know about the Sabbath or what the Sabbath could be, the idea that idea coupled with what Michael talked about and what we talked about in the law series over the last couple uh, of months here, I would challenge you that if your mind hasn't been changed at all, go back and re-listen to each of those and and think about it because what you just said that was like the final piece that just put the gears in place and locked them in. And now you're in gear and you're ready to make some kind of action and and going back to not the what, but the how. Investigate the how. And I think that's what Michael was talking. Man, that just that just right there and even listening to the message, I didn't get that click. So if you're listening, I hope that clicked for you. And if you missed the message, don't, because Jordan had a just had a way with words that when you speak from your heart and you speak to your expertise and you speak to your – I think for you it was just this desire. You can almost feel the desire to learn and to share. Like I'm still learning and I know some stuff and I want to share it with you guys because it's really cool. And that's that's really how I felt about this message. And the other part – and I know you mentioned a book, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And so the books that you mentioned, we'll put those in the show notes as well. So if you just want a quick link to grab those, you can. And uh, before we get to the questions that came through from the response, you know, you're like, well, why why do I want to be an unhurried leader? And Jordan gave off like 10 of these things. And I'm just like, if you read this list and you don't go, oh, that sounds pretty good. Ooh, that sounds pretty good. Tell your own compelling professional personal story. Champion the stories of others. Cultivate creative confidence. Expand your capacity for empathy. Ooh, I like that one. Identify blind spots to raise awareness. Did he talk to you about blind spots before the message, by the way? Because I think I felt like blind spots was a Ken thing. No, see, you guys are you guys are right here. Blind spots. Yeah. We all have them. If we didn't know we had them, well, that's yeah. why we have them. Uh, <laughs> that's the word blind spot. Raise awareness, right? Hence the term. Uh, embrace a beginner's mindset. Ooh, that sounds like bringing yourself. To, oh man, practice unhurried design methodology. Solve for uncertainty and complexity. Foster a culture. Oh boy, of equitable and sustainable innovation wherever you go. That sounds really good. Be a non-anxious, differentiated presence amidst hurried systems and organizations. When you said that last one, I think those were on the screen. I don't remember if you went through each of them individually, but when I read it, it was like, be a curious people, you know? And Mm. it's like, hmm, maybe this whole Sabbath thing is more than just because most people go, well, I was given that for the Israelites. It doesn't apply to me. And, you know, you think about it that way and go, ooh, that, that would be curious, wouldn't it? I love it. All right. Let's hit the questions. Monica had said she would like to hear more about the Sabbath view of a daily slowing practice. I think we kind of talked about that a little bit, but and I think you just kind of covered it when you said we were moving, we were like taking what we're learning in the Sabbath and we're trying to apply that to a – What maybe do we have any principles that would just help us go – Okay, we're kind of getting our Sabbath groove on. We're we're learning to make a little bit and and, and create instead of keep. And anything that we can give someone that's uh, maybe even an idea of like how can we? Okay, we're doing pretty good here. But what about like you said when Monday comes or Wednesday comes and we're in the midst of it? Anything or anything that Jordan uses when he's like, man, it's Wednesday. We're it's getting real now. Jordan's got to slow down. <laughs> got to keep this Sabbath vibe rolling. I really do try to give myself space for reflection and authenticity. I think that we are in a world that's starved for authenticity. Everyone's trying to Mm. sell you something, and that's exhausting. 
I get pinged all the time on LinkedIn with people who oh, are just yeah. – they connect, but they're not really trying to connect. They're connecting only to sell. And they'll plug my name in. Hi, Jordan. You know, have you heard about our awesome sales? <laughs> you know, da, 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 da. I see what you're doing in your space and you're doing an amazing job. Right. <laughs> the Slowing Institute is really doing a lot of interesting and things. And we would love to cooperate, you know, co- collaborate. What does it you? say that I don't get those? I don't know. I get. I, I don't ever check. <laughs> oh, oh. Ken's inbox and LinkedIn is probably full. full. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that in a world where we're there's we're constantly selling, it is a counter practice to be real with people, be authentic with people, people you meet for the first time, people you know well. When people ask you how are you doing, give them a real answer or ask them anticipating a real answer if they say good maybe you can maybe you can say hey well how are you really doing yeah i'm willing to listen yeah and that might be off-putting for someone but it does slow us down it slows the two parties who are present in that or about to be present potentially in that conversation down and it's a difference maker so small things like that that's an embedded pause in the workday maybe bringing a team together for a human space like that yeah. in the workday without any real objective in terms of, hey, we're going to leave this meeting and hit these three points because we need to cover them. What if we say we're going to come together for a 20-minute or 30-minute check-in just on how we are? Ooh. Anyone showing up to that meeting? Is, I mean, are they, it's a little, sounds a little uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe. We have to build trust. Trust goes a long way. Uh, I think that when a leader demonstrates the vulnerability themselves himself herself first then the team is going to be more than likely to follow i see that i, I i've appreciated that about ken a couple of weeks ago ken was just noticed i wasn't just myself and came and talked to me and there wasn't a lot i could share but it also it was a regeneration for me because my friend ken and my pastor ken cared enough to not just let it be with how you doing and I would have probably just said, eh, doing, yeah, doing okay. Hmm. But the actual slowing down, asking the question, and that immediately builds trust. As with every week, if you see me in the lobby, come up, give me a hug, say hi, say hello. I got another Rand Man, the podcast guy with the glorious hair two weeks ago over the dad's root beer. I don't know who it was. It was very tall, t- very tall gentleman. Uh, so I waved. I didn't know his name. But I hope, you know, come and see me again. and We'll, we'll, we'll exchange numbers next time. We'll text. We'll do something fun. But I think those are the things, like you said, the embedded pause and knowing that it might be uncomfortable, but definitely a way to to slow it down. And I've been trying to do that more, just like you said, how are you doing? And either myself being vulnerable and answering with, yeah, kind of sucks right now, or yeah, could have been better, could be better. And then also, like you said, well, you know, kind of like Ken, yeah, you know, just don't look yourself. You Everything good? Off of that too, I wanted to say, you know, sometimes as leaders, we might tell ourselves we don't have time for that Ooh. right now. Yeah. However, it can be productive. So yeah. if you go and you do a field walk, as Otto Sharma at MIT like to call, likes to call it, if you go and do a field walk, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, go talk to people. You're on your team. Go listen and learn from anyone and just hear, check in and see how they're doing. If you can get them to tell stories, and this goes back to the whole storytelling piece, story and slowing are intertwined. intertwined if you can get yeah. the real story, you're going to identify needs. So as a leader, you're not only fostering trust, and there's the authenticity and there's community, you're also getting a picture of what's really going on. Mm-hmm. And then you can do something with that. You um, haven't just been a nice guy. Well, yeah, that was right. nice, right? We Correct. can do that, but you're right. You're building trust. I love that. And you're identifying to okay, here's what's, here are the real stories that are being shared, you know, that aren't said in the meeting space, this is how Jenny really feels, or this is how uh, Only uh, her cubemate knows this, unless I ask, right? Like, they, we're not going to hear those stories. You know, I, I just want to kind of piggyback maybe off of that a little bit. And truly stopping and listening can be very difficult to do because we feel like we have that list of to-dos Mm-hmm. that has to be done. But really stopping and listening and asking questions is so important. 
and, and it really can actually feed you and actually help you be more successful when you can do it. I Just yesterday, I, I got a phone call from uh, a friend, a former one of my church members at a church I previously pastored and um, letting me know that his wife had passed away on Saturday night. And um, you go into pastor mode and you're like, well, you know, um, pr- you know, obviously I'm praying for you. How can I, is there anything else I can do for you besides that? And, and what really struck me was that, that my friend said, you know, Ken, what I'd like to do, what would be meaningful for me in this moment is for you to tell me how your life is going. Hmm. Wow. And, and I, I, I have never before had somebody in that situation do that. Usually it's like, well, let, talk to me. Tell me some good memories about your wife. Tell me some good – and which, you know, was ready to do. But my friend, what he needed in that moment was I would never in a million years have, have thought to do – in fact, I would, it, seemed like, it would seem rude <laughs> – and uh, self-centered <laughs> for me to be like, oh, let me tell you how my daughter's doing. Let me tell you how my son's doing. But that's what he needed. And that's what he wanted. That's that's what he wanted. He wanted me to tell about because it. I'm, I'm assuming it gave him a moment of thinking there's some normality. There's Ken's happy. That makes me feel better in this moment. I don't know. But where I'm running with that is when we're in a hurry and we run through the typical checklist, mm, yeah. we we don't always really meet people's needs. And I am assuming that I met his need because that's what he asked for. I would I would really like to hear how you are doing. And I'd like I mean, and he said, give me detail. I want I just how are things going? Tell me about your kids. Tell me about your wife. Tell wow. me about your new job. And we we had a, a you know, I chatted with him about that. We chatted about him too, but it was that's what he wanted in the moment. But you don't know that unless you ask, and then you're willing to go ahead and do that. And so um, that's one of the things I just uh, it, it really touched me um, that I've that that conversation. And you know, my friend, if you're listening, you know that I'm praying for you and your family and, and love you. But you impacted my life in that way. But all that I think was a part of listening to, to Jesus talking through Jordan this last week and that encouragement, just slow down and really listen and hear what it is that the person that you are looking in the eye is wanting to hear. And if I can shamelessly plug an upcoming event at the end of the month, we're every uh, Tuesday evening, well, most Tuesday evenings this month, we're going to be showing a movie at the church. We're doing movie night. And the last movie that we're showing is A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, where Tom Hanks uh, plays uh, Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers. And if there's anybody that I think of outside of Jesus that was an unhurried, unanxious presence, and you see it in the movie, it's Fred Rogers. And so I, I definitely encourage those of you out there listening to this, make, you know, block off that last Tuesday of July. If you don't block off any other Tuesdays, block that one off and be there. It's, it's just one of those movies that's just just powerful and and inspiring when it comes to just Fred just had a, a fantastic way of telling people I am all here with you right now you have all of me in this moment and I'm incredibly bad at that I'm giving you maybe 50% of me a lot of times and but I I really aspire to be like Jesus and to be Fred who when yeah. I'm with you I'm with you yeah let's do it we had a couple extra questions Lorena and Tendi Tendai, uh, what are the ways that we can slow down in this world of go, go, go? What practical examples of the success of slowing down? And I think we've kind of gone through those with our, our last question. I should have looked ahead, but I think that really encapsulated all of those. And, but Ethan wanted to know, how can I learn to read the Bible more in this hurried world, especially mm-hmm. during the Sabbath? Any Sabbath tips for, for Bible reading? I like to pick my favorite stories, to be honest, in the Bible. If there's something that uh, I enjoy, like I'm a, I love to read uh, the story of Daniel or Job, even though it's like, ooh, those get long and kind of crazy, but they're ones I enjoy. And if I know I want to just get in my Bible, I'll start there and then sometimes see where that leads and go other places. Another thing I might suggest is make sure you have a Bible version that is easy for you to read. Ooh, um, there you one, go. You know, yeah. I personally, my favorite is the New Living Translation, just for reading. 
you know, if I'm doing some serious Bible study, there's the New American Standard Bible that I like to use for, you know, if I'm trying to really bear down on a text, but for readability, I love the New Living Translation. The Contemporary English Version is another one that's very easy to read through. Um, I have people that will tell me, oh, I'm really worried about making sure I get an accurate translation. Well, guess what? <laughs> Most of the translations are within 2% of each other um, as far as things go. And beyond that, a Bible that isn't being read is no good. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so it's good just to get cool. one. So that's one thing. Then the other thing that I would suggest, along with the things that you suggested, Randy, are just set aside a certain amount of time. Set aside, just set aside five minutes. If you're having a hard time reading your Bible, just set aside five minutes, pick a part of the Bible that you're interested in, and read for five minutes, and then put it down. And to me, I look at reading the Bible a little bit the way I would look at it exercise or weightlifting. You know, you see people who have not exercised forever try to go run a marathon, and they give up after two days of training because they're trying to run 26 miles every day. It doesn't work that way. You start off by by walking um, yeah. for you know 30 minutes a day, um, and then you maybe get your heart rate monitor, and then you... And so I find some people try to dive into the Bible. I want to read the Bible for an hour, and they, after two or three days of doing it, they're like they're burned out. They can't. They they're not. They find no enjoyment in it. They're getting nothing out of it. And so I just really encourage you. It's not about the quantity. It's about the quality. Hmm. So yep. space down to where you're getting quality time. It's better to have three quality minutes than one hour of no quality. I love that. There's this uh, practice that. Rich Velatis, who's a pastor in Brooklyn, has been talking about more, and he writes about it in his book, The Deeply Formed Life, and uh, I've been trying it out. It's basically four steps to uh, you choose a passage, and I love the idea that it's a shorter passage, potentially. You're not going for a whole long hour read, but with little reflection along the way. I mean, that's one way to to do it, not to knock it, but he'll, he'll suggest, say, choose a passage few verses or a short story. And then after, ask the question, Lord, what is it saying? Mm. What is it saying? Reflect on that. What is the story saying in its context? Then ask the question, Lord, what are you saying to me through it? And then after that, ask yourself the question, what do I want to say to my Lord? Mm. And then Mm. pray to him based on what you've just read. I like that. And then the last step is what he calls beholding prayer, where you're no longer thinking or adding to the conversation with God or looking for him to add to you. You're just now beholding him, beholding you. Nice. Quiet after the word and take a few moments to do that. Uh, I thought it was a a beautiful practice. That's inviting. That's good. What was the name of that book again? The Deeply Formed Life. All right. We're going to add that to the list. we got three books this week. Ethan, thank you for the question. All of you, thank you for the question. We're always happy to finish them up here on the podcast. And if they have anything to add, it's something we didn't say, should have said, could have said, 407-965-1607 for text or voicemail. And we will read them on next week's podcast or podcast at wholelife.church. Next week, we're into... Big screen. Got on the big screen. Ken's Blockbusters. Good night and good luck. That's, uh, yeah, Tuesday night we're watching at the church. And then Sabbath, that'll be uh, the the springboard that we're using uh, for our message. And some really neat themes in there. That's If you're not familiar with Good Night, Good Luck, uh, that was the Edward R. Murrow story of his taking on Joe McCarthy during uh, Mm. those years of McCarthyism where – McCarthy went on a witch hunt for communists, and he claimed to have a list of, of people that he knew that only he knew that had been given to him, and and then went about ruining a lot of people's lives without cause. And so um, Edward R. Murrow took that on, and it's uh, it's a powerful movie. It's uh, all in black and white, so it's a little bit more artsy. This first yeah. one's going to be a little bit more on the artsy side. It's probably going to be a little bit more adult, too, just to be fair. It's PG. It's, it is rated PG. And I would just mention that because of the time period that it, it happened in, there's a lot of uh, cigarette smoking in, in the uh, in the movie. <laughs> For those of you who are not familiar with your history, the news guys used to have a lit cigarette while they All were the reading time, the news yeah. and on TV. And it just, that was back before they 
Adventists were aware of cigarettes, but the rest of the world wasn't. So right. um, hmm. anyway, so there's that, but it's a, it's a powerful message. It's all, it's kind of a black and white movie and just, just a fantastic uh, thought provoking thing. We'll have some reflection for you, questions for you to think about after you leave um, or to get, ready for... there, to get ready for Sabbath. Nice. And um, there'll be people selling. We have some kids that are really excited to sell you your concessions out in the uh, yeah, foyer I of the church. Cotton candy. There's going to be cotton candy. There's that we I, we're going to be giving away popcorn. That's free. So show up. But uh, then we're not going to get. But then we're not going to give away anything to drink. The kids are going to be selling stuff oh. to the drink. So so uh, so go support your local kid that's going to be there selling you something and uh, bring cash. I'm guessing most of them probably are not going to take Venmo or WhatsApp or, or not WhatsApp. Be but surprised, cash app, but maybe, maybe, maybe maybe a few of them might. I don't know. Um, uh, so uh, so go to that ATM, pull out some cash. That's um, awesome. Well, Jordan, thank you for your message. Thank you for coming on a Monday and taking time. And I know we've gone long, but I really hope that today's discussion really sinks in and really was a blessing to you. I know it's been for me, even after the message, I was blessed by it. And you can catch that at wholelife.church. It's still up there. And of course, uh, speaking of grace, if you swipe up in today's show notes, there's a link to our sister podcast where that message is archived there as well. So until next next week. Thanks everyone for listening. Share, 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 and sign up for the slowing sessions and all that information in the show notes and have a great and slow week. (laughs) Yes, love it. (laughs) 